0: listeners, and welcome to the show. This is Every Record Ever Recorded, a field guide to the music of Earth. I'm Hannah, and my guest expert this episode is singer and scholar Zayn Dosani, here to talk about the Hindustani classical music form known as Drupad. Zayn has been a musician ever since he was a kid. Starting as an instrumentalist, though he's always had an informal vocal practice, by which I mean singing along to, as he says, good old-school Bollywood songs. As an adult, he's gravitated more towards singing, and he's been seriously studying Indian classical vocal music for almost a decade.
1: The traditional way this music is taught, if you're an instrumentalist, you also learn vocal music. Like, vocal music is essential. Because you sing through your instrument, that's the idea. You, the perfect instrument is the human voice. Ah. And the, all the other instruments are have their own imperfections, but you're trying to sing through them. Mm-hmm.
0: At home in the Bay Area, Zayn studies Khayal with Bruce Hamm at the Ali Akbar College of Music. And he spent time in India and in the U.S. studying drupad with the foremost current exponents of the genre, singers Umakant and Ramakant Kundecha.
1: The voice is the instrument you always carry with you. So that's the first instrument that co- it comes through, is through your voice. And even if you're not singing, it's coming through your voice into your hands, into the instrument.
0: Great streams of Indian classical music, the southern or Carnatic music, and the northern. They are related, but as Zain says, very anciently. Dhrupad is northern from the area that is now North India, Bangladesh, Pakistan, and Nepal.
1: The way that you typically hear North Indian classical music in 2019 came into its current incarnation about 500 years ago, but its roots obviously go further back than that. North Indian classical music, Hindustani music, has two big Categories that it's divided into one is drupad and one is khayal. Drupad is considered the older progenitor. Some people say it's the progenitor of North and South Indian classical music, and khayal is khayal. Literally means like thought or whimsy or f- imagination. It's still very classical mm-hmm. in some ways but it's a little lighter a little freer in some ways
0: yeah so by by classical you mean it has rules it has conventions yes. and like that kind very of very strict kind of thing? rules and
1: conventions okay people play with them on the fringes but the basic main heart of it is all of this kind of music is very philosophical so drupad is, is the older, more austere it's considered, although I don't really know what people mean when they say that.
0: So do you use different instruments to play drupad versus khayal?
1: Like I said, it's more about philosophy. There are instruments that are typical of one and the other. So the sitar, which we have sitting here, this is typically an instrument of khayal. Most North Indian classical music, if you, go to a, if you hear of a, an event, it's almost guaranteed to be khayal and sitar is a typical instrument of that, and not so typical of dhrupad, but it doesn't mean you cannot give a drupad rendition on a sitar.
0: Okay. So, so I
1: have heard drupad re- rendered on a trombone.
0: So the defining feature of the genre is not <laughs> instrumentation at all.
1: No, it's not really instrumentation, though there are typical instruments. So the sitar is sort of sitar and sarod. I don't know if you've seen the Sarod, but that's like a lute with a goatskin head and a stainless mm-hmm. steel fingerboard. Yeah. Those are the two like sister queens of khayal music. Sitar, especially these days, is like the one that you hear most. The similar big instrument of drupad that isn't voice. Voice is, of course, something else. Vocal music is very strong in both of these traditions. It's called the rudravina or rudravin which kind of looks like a sitar, but it's much bigger. The rudraveen is a similar sort of setup. It has two resonating gourds. Strung across, fretted, held differently because it's bigger, it's held more in your lap, and played, strummed differently, but more or less mechanically similar, but the sound is very different. And people are still iterating and creating new versions of these instruments, and the instrument itself is not essential to the music. There is a little bit you can't play this music on absolutely any instrument. For example, the piano is not well suited because the tuning is fixed. You know, you saw me tuning earlier. All these little things, all these frets are movable, and when you slide the note, you have this ability to get microtones. Mm-hmm. In, at any any point, you can produce a pitch. That is one of the hearts of this of this music. Is the microtonal. Nature of it Where exactly All the pitches That you're singing Or or playing lie
0: So microtones Pitches that fall Between the official Stair steps of the scale What else are Defining features Of the genre What else can't You do without
1: So Tanpura is Essential
0: And that's the The drone that we have In the background That's the drone Maybe you can hear
1: So Tanpura I don't even know How to describe The importance of it it's one of my teachers one of the things he said once was that whatever you're singing becomes a pure tone in the witness of the Buddha, right one of the other things he, li- he says often is that there is no sound in this world that is in tune or there's no sound in this world that's out of tune everything has to do with its relation to something else mm. so without the Tanpura there which is giving me a relation anything I sing is both in tune and out of tune because there's no it it's right. has to be related to something else so Tanpura the drone basically is absolutely essential for this music um, and
0: right now we're listening to it on a Bluetooth speaker played <laughs> off of
1: <laughs> exactly.
0: It's, it's courtesy
1: it's, of Apple and Sony, <laughs> um, and a very talented developer that made this app that pretty much everybody has. Oh, called iThubla Pro. I, the guy lives in Southern California somewhere, but that's awesome. Um,
0: but you also have behind you the the analog version that this yes, is imitating. the old school
1: analog version, which is both superior and inferior. <laughs> the Bluetooth speaker, speaker is more portable. But also, it doesn't change pitch, whereas this, when it's rainy, or when it's too hot, or when it's too cold, or...
0: Right. Or when it, you've been playing it for a couple hours, or... Yeah. Exactly. It Here, just let's just... Turn this,
1: turn this, this one down.
0: Compare it with the...
1: Well, I'm just... I need, I need it just to hear... To know if you're know in if tune. To know if I'm in tune. <laughs> oh, this sound pretty close. So...
0: So, the acoustic tampora is a large lute-shaped instrument, and to play it, you sit on a cushion on the floor with the body in your lap and the neck straight up past your shoulder, and you strike the four strings with your fingers.
1: The bouquet of overtones that are coming from this, they're not as rich as the synthesized version, but it is very nice to feel the vibrations of this instrument in your body. It's like pretty amazing and then having it right there right next to your ear you can really Mm -hmm. start to get in tune but I also hold this in my like lap when I'm practicing yeah the bluetooth speaker (laughs) you can you can do it a little more slowly a little more quickly but in general that's sort of the typical pattern
0: is there a rhythm
1: the only rhythm is that it should not be in rhythm with the music it should be at its own so you want it to be a wash it yeah. should be a wash
0: yeah and typically you would have one person in the ensemble playing this
1: the typical presentation it's considered it's like a solo tradition so there's mm-hmm. usually one melodic voice but it could be a duet but generally there's one person singing or playing an instrument there's an accompanist, which would be the rhythm, which for khayal music is with tabla, mm-hmm. the d- drum set that's two drums. Mm-hmm. And for drupad, it's pakawaj. There's two drum heads, but it's on one barrel drum. And then one or two people playing the tanpura in the background. But also these days, a lot of, a lot of people use the electronic when they're performing, yeah. or both the electronic and the, light, and the mm. acoustic live. So when you have two, it, people are plucking them at not quite the same rhythm, not quite the same time. And in fact, on this app, they, there is the possibility to have two going at once. And you can set the beats per minute that the, the strings are plucked at. And you can set that it varies it slightly so that it's not always the mm. same.
0: And the electronic tampura actually well predates smartphones. The first one was invented in 1979. But it's still a very recent development in a genre that's been around for hundreds of years. Let's talk a little bit more about where it began.
1: The music, a way that sort of crystallized in the form it more or less is in today, was in the courts, in the royal courts across the Indian subcontinent. The patrons were kings and emperors, and depending on who who the king was and how interested they were in arts in general and in music in particular, they would find court musicians who were there to... Be musicians and be practitioners, and also teachers. They also would teach. In some cases, their just their children. In other cases, other people to then become the next generation of court musicians, right? Mm. But then the courts went away under the British. The the Mughal Empire sort of fell apart at the same time that the British uh, Raj was taking over northern India, especially. And then in the modern day. Yeah, it's like patrons of the art, I guess that that keep keep it alive. Yeah,
0: um, it sounds a, a little bit like Western classical music. Yeah, you know, it was kind of king music for a while, and you could you could demonstrate your wealth by supporting the arts. And now that we are not so much with kings,
1: yeah, we're, <laughs> I mean, it's still in the end, it's like people with money that are supporting artists. Yeah, <laughs> is the way that it <laughs> right. sort of boils down. Uh,
0: yeah, the money has moved, and that's, that's yeah the difference
1: the ancient roots of this music it's from the temple but also from like these ancient texts quote-unquote hindu texts but they're sort of more treatises on philosophy and trying to understand sound in its purest forms and today that's still what it is to me that's what it is it's a journey into the nature of the universe in vibrations in that universe and how how they just how they just are not how they work necessarily, but how they are. That's starting to get at why the tuning system is very important, and like being able to tune very precisely, because the music is all about the vibration and the very specific vibrations of specific Right. Not intervals.
0: just a set of 12 vibrations, but all the vibrations exactly. of the universe. Uh-huh.
1: Although there are, there are still like there's points in, in the octave where, for some reason the universe is set up that a perfect fifth has a particular vibration. A lot of people think of Indian music as generally not having harmony because it is a solo tradition. There's a drone and a person singing on top of that drone. But even though they're not sounding, two notes are not sounding at the same time, you're hearing the echoes of of one note in the other because of the way they're overtonally related to one another.
0: So at a minimum, this genre is like five or six centuries old. How has it all come down to the present day? The compositions are not typically written down.
1: I, I like to say that all notation is bad. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I mean,
0: it's certainly all reductive.
1: It's learned and studied orally. You can write things down to help you remember. And actually, like people have their own ways of notating the music. And there's different ways that have sort of crystallized today. Um, in the modern era for notation but generally speaking it's not written down.
0: Yeah. Is the theory transmitted in the same way? You're talking about like individual pieces wouldn't be notated they would be right. they would be taught orally but there is looking at the raga guide there are descriptions in here of different So you said Rag. is it raga raga?
1: It's both. In okay. hi- in Hindi the word is rag. Okay. In Sanskrit the word would be raga. It's just the way that Hindi is pronounced in a way. The final short vowel, uh, is always left off in modern Hindi. Oh.
0: So, there's a description of each of these that... I don't know if that's also a simplification?
1: I mean, um, everything's a simplification, or... right? But what...
0: <laughs> That's true. This, this, this is like <laughs> the vibrations of the universe. Yeah. <laughs> but you got to dumb it down so humans can hold it in our two hands. Exactly. Um, you you're not learning this piece by piece, you're learning the the overarching structure of it as well. How is yeah. how do you learn that? How yeah, is how that do you learn that? That's a what good even question. is it? We haven't talked about
1: I'm rag. rag. Yes. You're asking let's, about rag.
0: Let's talk about rag.
1: Yeah, rag. So, what is it? <laughs> yeah, there's many different approximations. I like to think about I I studied science a lot. Mm. And So when you study physics in high school, they tell you F equals MA or whatever, Mm -hmm. you know? And then you learn, oh, well, that's not exactly true. It's more like, then you need to learn calculus to know how it really works. And then you learn, oh, well, that's not exactly true either. This is, you know, and then you get to the real heart of it and you're just like, well, we don't really know how all of it works. It's exactly (laughs) the same, right? It's like there's string, vibrating strings in 10 dimensions, we think, maybe. right? So, there's different levels of approximations with rag also. Okay. On one level, you can think of rag as a set of notes that is a melodic framework. Okay. So, like a scale almost. Uh, rag yaman. Sa.
2: <laughs> Sa. scale
0: yeah
1: more or less then there's a typical way that those notes relate to each other but then now now you're getting into more of the subtlety of rag and who you talk to what school they've studied from and by school, I mean, like, it's called Garana in, in North Indian music. It's mm-hmm. a house. Like, there's um, Jaipur Garana, and Jaipur is a place, mm-hmm. right? And it's musicians of that place that have tr- transmitted orally over time their way. And this is, like, h- how we know each other in some ways through Hungarian folk music and, like, the sort of style of each village is a little different because Mm -hmm. they were isolated and that's the way they can't can't come down to the present day. So it's a little bit like that. It's like everybody's take on a is sort of different, but uh, potentially. So the ways in which you move from one note to another might vary depending on who you ask exactly. Typically, most of the ways you hear Yaman presented today, sometimes you'll hear Sa but more typically you'll have ni starting on the major seven below and skipping the tonic and going to the
2: second. Hmm. <laughs>
1: Your phrases, where you give emphasis. Sometimes it's essential for a rag, and sometimes it's open to in- interpretation. But all of those little nuances, the way mm-hmm. taking re from ga, mm-hmm. right? I'm not just going ni re, ni re. All those little stylistic things are part of what makes a rag. Rag. You can generally think of it as a melodic framework, which is sometimes as simple as a scale and sometimes has lots of little nuances. And some rags are big. You can think of it also as a container. Some rags are big containers. Yaman is a big container. <laughs> Lots of things you can move around in that in that container. Mm-hmm. Others are more confined because they have specific ways that all the notes should move together and they don't allow for as much improvisational freedom mm. because you have to do these phrases and, this, and, and like if you do something else, then it sounds more like this other rag and not this particular rag. So some, some of the containers are big and some of the containers are small. It's both easy and it's not easy because your teacher tells you, sing this, and then you sing it. And says, this is yaman. Now you sing something in ragyaman. No, that's not yaman what you just sang. No, sing this instead. Right? So you learn through this process. Right. And here, learn this composition. Here, learn this other composition. Learn this third composition. Learn this fifth composition. The lineage in which I study khayal, from my Garana through Ali Akbar Khansab who lived... He was played sarod. Mm -hmm. He moved to the Bay Area in the 60s and taught here until the end of his life in 2009 so one of the things Ali Akbar Khan Sab said was that you want, you have to learn 500 compositions in a rag before and then that's how you'll know what the rag is mm. right because all of those compositions will show you all the ways that you can do everything because right. there's only so many ways and yet they're still infinite yeah, um, it's almost
0: like the process of, of learning a language, you know, there's, you grow up and you talk to the people around you, and, and you make sounds, and sometimes those sounds mean things to the people around you, and sometimes they're like, hmm, not quite, yeah, and you, totally. from that you sort of figure out the ways that you can speak that are meaningful, and the ways that you can speak that are close and not not meaningful at all.
1: Exactly, yeah, it's very similar, it is a way, so each dog is its own language in a way, And just like if you hear someone speaking French on the street, you can recognize it as French. Once you get to know this rags, you'll hear someone playing it and you'll recognize it right away.
0: Is there another one that you could demonstrate that's like super different, just so that we can hear? Oh, yeah, so many. Super different.
2: Dha sa ni pa
1: So that's Miyaki Tori. Tori is a six-note rag. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you noticed, I only use six notes ascending. And then I added the seventh note in a particular way in the descent. There's a few few varieties of Tori. The sort of more pure one is often is called Gujiri Tori only six notes up and six notes down. And then Miyakitori uses seven notes coming down.
0: That's that's very oh. interesting. In um, I think it comes from Turkish makam, but in the Greek dromi, there's the same concept of like, it goes like this when you go up, and then it goes a different way when you come down. And if you were to do a descending ornament in an ascending line, you would use the ascending version.
1: Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's very similar. Yeah. There's lots and lots of rocks that are five notes ascending, seven notes descending in different ways. Yeah. This music is ancient and there were ancient people all over the world and they were all making music and they all come from the same basic principle of the way vibration works. Mm-hmm. So it's not too surprising for me that there's similar ideas in every yeah. every corner of the world. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And from talking about drag, the next logical step is to speak about the structure of a performance, because the way that you would see Drupad perform comes directly out of drag.
1: In Western classical music, I know there's this idea of, like, movements, and they sort of go in a particular way, like you have this movement typically follows this movement. In Indian classical music, there's a similar prescribed way that it's presented. So it starts with alap, just the drone and the voice, or the melodic voice, without rhythm. The way I've heard it described is like the rhythm of the, of the ocean, not a regular pulse, but ebb and flow, but no drumming or rhythmic accompaniment and no meter. Alap can also be presented in three stages. You can either call the whole thing alap or the first part of it alap. It's Mm -hmm. the same word, which is what I was just describing. And then that moves into jor, which has a pulse but still no typically no drumming accompaniment, and it's the pulse is not a, t- a specific time cycle, like a measure of 16 or a measure of eight or whatever, it's just a pulse that, like a sort of regular pulse, and then jala, which is a faster pulse. And then it goes into composition, and often you'll have two compositions, a slower one and a faster one. You would do all of that in one rag, in one melodic framework, typically.
0: And is it just the first section? Is it just the alap section that's improvisational? or the, So
1: in drupad, the way the composition typically goes is there are lines that are composed and you sing those and then you make improvisations using the words of those lines. The compositions also have structure. The first part is called stai or stai, and the second part is antara. In the stai, it's it's dealing with the space around your starting tonic note. So like here for me, it's ah, and then antara is when you reach the octave above. uh, And then you, at the very end, you come back. And that also actually brings me to another philosophical point about this music. Drupad especially is about cycle. All all of Indian philosophy in general deals with this concept of everything is circular, circular and cyclical and, comes back to where you started Mm. and so that is also true of drupad it starts somewhere and it goes somewhere and it comes back to the beginning always that's like very important and that is another reason why the tanpura this drone in the background is important it's a fixed point and you go and you come back to it the whole idea is talking about the universe
3: Mm. Oh...
4: oh.
1: it keeps going for another 17 minutes okay. in that same vein but you could hear how they took turns mm-hmm. and like very little overlap but there was some overlap and then also And with the
0: instrument as well. So that was the the first segment that we that we talked about Yeah, so that's it. It the
1: alap. With... There's no pulse, no specific meter or specific pulse. They were starting at that tonic and exploring below and slightly above. And then as the 17 more minutes progresses, they get higher and higher. We'll reach that high octave, sa. So Indian music is taught in sargam, which is the same as solfege mm-hmm. in Western mm-hmm. music. But it's called sargam because the first four are sa re ga sargam. sa re ni sa are the seven seven notes. And they're actually shortened forms of the full names of the notes. Sharaj is Sa, is Re, Gandhar is ga.
0: So this is a bit of an atypical presentation that we're listening to. There's usually only one melodic voice, whether it's a singing voice or an instrument. But in this case there are three.
1: So my gurus, my teachers, are the Gundecha brothers. They always sing together two brothers in duets. So that's one thing. And there is a strong tradition actually of of people performing as pairs. Mm. And in this particular recording, it's actually a trio of melodic voices because they also have their, I believe it's their gurubhai. In the tradition, you study under a guru, right? You Mm -hmm. are a student and your whole life for whatever period of time it is that you're learning is about your learning, right? Mm. It's called guru shishya parampara. Guru is like teacher, but guru is like more than a teacher, right? He's your, or she is your guide, in a way. People have their spiritual gurus who they follow to enlightenment in whatever way, and this is very similar. You're learning music from your guru, but you're trying to be enlightened, right? You're trying to find enlightenment through the music. So that's Guru and Shishya's student and Parampara's tradition. So it's the teacher student tradition. So anyway, Guru Bhai is Bhai means brother. So your Guru Bhai and Guru Behen, Behen is sister are your fellow students under the same guru. I believe that this person on this recording is their gurubhai who's playing the surbahar, which is another stringed instrument that is, it's sometimes called the bass sitar. It's like a bigger sitar. It's a little bit more suited for drupad than the sitar itself. So in this particular recording, it's very cool. It's three voices, two singing voices and one instrumental voice. And then there's actually two rhythmic accompaniments, two drummers as well so the, the vocalists are Umakant and Ramakant Gundecha Akileshji Akilesh Gundecha is the Pakawaj player and there, Manik Munde is also on this and then the guy who's playing surbahar, his name is Pushparaj Goshti
0: We skipped ahead to hear the end of the Alap We'll come back in as they're on the high knee that 7th note of the scale and listen as they move up and resolve into the octave tonic, the high sa <laughs> ah, nice.
1: up the drama getting yeah, to that high just, saw it, it, and it then you like center, it's this shining it just- moment when you finally get there and then you stay there for a while that's very typical and the other thing that you can really hear in their music in, in particular that's a critical part of all of this music is all the notes are connected right
2: not uh, uh.
1: These infinite amount of space, right? Any between any two pitches, there's an infinite amount of space, and you're moving through there, but you don't stop anywhere except exactly where you're going,
0: mm.
1: which is very hard.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I imagine. I mean, you've you've been studying for eight years, and you're a baby. You said, yeah, totally. So this would typically be uh, the work of a lifetime.
1: Well, they say the first lifetime is just for practice.
0: <laughs> um mm. So that movement from the low saw up to the high saw happens again in each of the sections of the presentation. We're now in the jor. The pulse has been introduced and we're exploring around the low saw before moving up.
1: Have a voice like Barde Guruji. That was Umaka and Kondecha. You go all the way down to the octave below. Wow! Amazing. <laughs> so amazing. Yeah. So that continues in that same fashion. Then let's skip to the Jala.
0: And then let's check in on the very end of the jala to see how much it speeds up. <laughs>
1: On to the composition. So this one all has two compositions the slow one in Chotal, which is a 12 beats cycle, and a fast one in Sultal, which is 10 beats.
4: i
5: So,
0: what's the text of this piece? What do the texts tend to be about?
1: There are a lot of texts that are religious in nature. There's some texts that are glorifying kings. This particular one, I'd have to look up the translation, but my feeling is this is a more philosophical text.
0: Mm. So translating poetry is another one of those things where the truth seems more and more elusive the harder you look for it, but... This particular composition is written in a dialect of Hindi called Bridge Bahasha, which was, no surprise, much more widely spoken 500 years ago, but there are still people who speak it as a language of daily life and a scholarship community as well. I cashed in on some family connections and found Dr. Veena Luchman, formerly of the University of KwaZulu-Natal, South African radio presenter and advocate of linguistic preservation. She told me that she would interpret this composition as a plea to the divine to gift the singer-slash-writer perfection and distinction of sound. It speaks of various different aspects of sound, shruti, human concepts of pitch, swara, the notes of the scale, but also nad, the sound which Vina says exists beyond traditional structures of human existence, essentially the sum total of perfection. Now, the text itself is quite short. A typical presentation lasts about an hour and a half, and the majority of that has no words at all but it does have sung sounds.
1: So the way that the gundechas sing, they have specific syllables they use in specific orders that have come from a particular mantra. Like the mantra has words, but then these are like syllables from that mantra broken up and in orders that don't make words anymore. So it's a little bit more intentional than fa la but still absent of meaning.
5: ал � yoga you
1: talking about music cuz nad nad is sound mm. so sometimes you'll hear maybe Drupad or m- maybe some other kind of music or some kind of thing in this tradition referred to as nad yoga which means sound yoga of sound and yoga yogasan is what americans know of as yoga asana you know the asanas are mm-hmm. the poses mm-hmm. yogasan is like moving your body and making these poses in a way that's supposed to connect your mind to the greater consciousness. And Nadi Yoga is using sound to connect your mind to the greater, greater consciousness. philosophy there's two kinds of music margi music and desi music this is means country so desi is of the country generally north indian pakistani people use the word desi we're talking about desi food is north indian food desi culture desi music we mean of our homeland right but more generally it can mean worldly in a way so in, in this distinction of music It's like, more worldly music, music that's meant to convey a message, talk about love or something of the earth. And margi music is the music that is meant to open your mind and connect you with the universe.
0: Hey, this has been every record ever recorded. I'm Hannah, and my guest today was Zain Dasani, talking about the Hindustani classical music form called Drupad. We recorded this show on a wild, stormy day at his house in Oakland, California, under the supervision of his dog, Panino.
5: I'm
0: very sad to say that between the recording of this show and the release date, Ramakant Gundecha passed away at the untimely age of
6: 57. Yes, Drupad should be exposed to every musician, I will say. In India, We say that whatever you learn, you want to sing khayal, South Indian, Tumri, any music you want to sing, sing. But first learn Drupad. Why? Because it is the language of music. In other musics, it's more structural, something composition, something dance, something patterns and this and that. Drupad deals with the sound, beauty of the sound.
0: It's a double loss for the music world. He was a master singer of the and he was also a great teacher. So we lose not only the music he would have made, but the musicians he didn't get a chance to teach.
6: We Gondecha brothers, a student of Ustaz Zia Fariduddin Dagar, Ustaz Zia Mahiuddin Dagar. Who were son of Ziauddin Khan Dagar of Udaipur and who was son of Zakruddin Khan Tagar. So they were all masters of Drupad and they were r- deeply rooted in Indian traditions. Being even Muslim, they were master of Sanskrit and our heritage, so-called Hindu culture. It is not just simple music. My teacher Ustaz Zia Fri tagar has been saying that Drupad is not music for the body, it's for the soul. It's not entertainment. It's something which takes you to the higher level of consciousness. So
0: this episode goes out to the Gurujis, the rare and wonderful teachers who are more than teachers and who guide us to a greater understanding of music and the universe.
6: Drupad is, I will say, just not music. It's, it changes your everything. Your body can be an instrument to travel you to the other world. It is motivation for your soul.
0: Every record ever recorded is produced by me, Hannah Blair, with thanks this episode to Dr. Vina Lutchman for her translation work. Thanks also and much love to my niece, Athena Vauda, and brother-in-law, Yusuf Vauda, for making the connection. And thanks as well to Brian James of the Medicine Path Podcast for the recordings you just heard of Ramakant Gudecha, which come from episode one of his show, linked in the credits. The show's website at everyrecordeverrecorded.com has resources for further exploration of Drupad, a YouTube playlist of all the pieces we played today in their entirety, and a mailing list if you want to be the first to hear about new episodes. Do come back next time for a new episode about a different musical genre, and hey, thank you for listening.
5: Sabadipa dheepa, saba sakala jana jana anoopa Theri sharanahat, kar tero, So, Pudugana Mepanu had two rubbers among the Valley Valley, Mavali, Ragata, Rabani Shanak.